This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं भूलते आई एम ह्योर एज योर होस्ट दिस वीक बिकॉज अभिनंदन इज बिजी एट एन इवेंट सो आई एम गोन बी रिप्लेसिंग हिम एंड वी हैव पैक्ट हाउस बट बिफोर वी गेट इन टू इंट्रोड्यूसिंग आर पैनल्स एंड बिफोर वी गेट इन टू द हेडलाइंस फॉर दिस वीक सम अनाउंसमेंट्स द माइग्रेशन ऑफ आर वेबसाइट इज कम्प्लीट नाउ वी माइग्रेटेड आर यूजर्स इंक्लूडिंग रेकरिंग सब्सक्रिप्शन दैट वर पेंडिंग so we have a new payment flow going and hopefully there should be no issues so it's a good time now to nudge other people to get a subscription of news laundry please tell all your friends to subscribe to us and with family you can share the subscriptions even though abhinandan won't like that idea but you can do it but with your friends you must ask them to subscribe our ex users ex subscribers um whose subscriptions have expired have to register with us again yeah so those of you whose subscriptions have lapsed please register with us again and subscribe and pay to keep news free also we've discontinued our app because it's so buggy and it's so shitty and we keep hearing so many galis so just don't download our app please and don't use it um the best way to access nl hafta is through the nl hafta article you download the track at once and then you can access it later on the go streaming may not be the best option since the track will play from the very start every time the page reloads so go with the download button we also send a private link of hafta every weekend to all subscribers so make sure uh, our emails that come from subscription@newslaundry.com land up in your inbox and not end up in your spam or promotion or other you know folders we currently have one nl sana project going which is hashtag #budget with vivek call uh, he's already given us three excellent pieces that i think you should quickly read up on i think by the time this episode goes out budget would have been out because it's being announced tomorrow but still it's uh, you know these are good pieces to kind of get a grasp of what's been happening and he's also going to be writing a piece on the analysis of the budget so do check it out do read it but do uh, go to nl sana and try and top it up and send it to your friends and all that yeah we want more people like vivek to be able to write for us but they aren't um, they these are quality writers who deserve to be paid well so please chip in and please power our uh, reporting and analysis i'm going to quickly introduce our guest and then get into the headlines we have with us vivek call hi vivek Hi, hi, Manisha. He's joined us from Bombay. For those of you who have been avid Hafta listeners, of course, I've heard him before. For those of you who read his uh, stuff on News Laundry, also know him. But he's an author, a journalist, and an economic commentator. He's worked with uh, Daily News and Analysis, DNA, and Economic Times as a full-time journalist, right? Right. right. And uh, when did you start? When did you become a freelance journalist? April first, two thousand twelve. Okay, early mover. <laughs> so uh, and and he's been writing for Times of India, Business World, Hindu, Hindu Business Line. The Mint has a lot of. Uh, I've read a bunch of his long forms in Mint of late, and of course, News Laundry. He's written a three-part pre-budget series for us, which you guys should absolutely read. It's part of the NL Sena, and we've delivered the NL Sena even before you guys have topped it. So you can top it now. <laughs> um and of course after a long time very very pleased to have madhu trehan with us thank you welcome madhu a lot of our listeners have missed you a lot mm. and have sent us emails that's very kind a lot of them have said ki since she has left there is no balance in this podcast we've yeah, got really. a lot of criticism also let <laughs> <laughs> me go and so balance all of you out <laughs> so you need back. balancing <laughs> no today don't balance because we're discussing a lot of issues that require no balance <laughs> okay we'll see <laughs> Uh, Mehraj, hello, Mehraj, hello, uh, and of course Raman sir. Hello, hello. Raman sir. 
So um, I'm just going to quickly read the headlines for the week and then we can maybe jump into our conversation, begin with budget, which is going to be announced tomorrow in parliament and the economic survey, which was out today. The big news of the week was Kunal Kamra, <laughs> a comic giving Arnab Goswami uh, Republic TV treatment. I think that's the best way that you can put it. Um, uh, following which there was, I mean, there's a clip of him basically hectoring Arnab Goswami, not really hectoring, but I liked Abhinandan's word that he used in his piece, uh, ambush monologue. Ambush monologue. So yeah. he, he launched into an ambush monologue, and uh, which went viral. And following which four airlines uh, have grounded him, he's on a no-fly list now. He can't fly with Go Air, SpiceJet, Air India, and Indigo for the next six months. Um, the DGCA has backed this. Even though the pilot came out with uh, his version yesterday, I, mean, I don't know if he came out with his version, but basically his letter to the airline was leaked where he said that I didn't see him indulge in any unruly behavior and that this doesn't even qualify for level one transgressions, which, uh, which allows for three months of banning. After uh, an inquiry. Yeah, after after an, an inquiry. By, by a retired judge. So first the procedure was the the cabin attendant reports it to the pilot. Hmm. The pilot then writes a complaint after doing his own private investigation. Then there's an inquiry. And then after that, maximum he can get is three months. So all this happened, I imagine, from one phone call and one tweet. Yeah. And all the airlines followed. And today, Hadi Puri, the aviation minister, has said that we will go beyond rules. Yeah. We don't care. No. We will we go beyond? Care. We'll go beyond we will rules. Go beyond like, rules. Like, it doesn't matter what the rules are. We will go beyond the rules to fix this kind of behavior. So so are we discussing this now? Yeah, yeah. No, no. We'll get into budget okay. economy and then we'll discuss this. Uh, there was also the Jamia shootout yesterday. Um, from what we're hearing, this is a juvenile person who uh, went with the Desi cut to the protest site at Jamia and you know started shooting uh, started pointing the gun at people uh, one guy was injured one of the students was injured he was taken to the Holy Family Hospital there is uh, from the Facebook profile of this shooter it's quite apparent that he was influenced by right wing propaganda on WhatsApp a lot of his not just influenced he was embedded in the whole ecosystem so he's met some of, of them yeah. and he had this whole thing ki protest band karke karna padega aur azadi ka sabak sikhana padega and all that, all that he shouted apparently this comes about two days after BJP Minister of Finance Minister of State and Finance Ministry Anurag Thakur was at a rally where he said uh, he basically led the crowd to chant desh ke gaddaron ko goli maro salon ko uh, following which he was banned from being a star campaigner which doesn't mean much he can still campaign but the party will have to bear the cost. the cost of his campaigning. So Delhi elections have been are kind of toxic. I think most journalists are just waiting for it to get over because there's just a lot of negative focus on the same India-Pakistan, anti-national, national. Shaheen Bagh has somehow become very important in all of this. Meanwhile, Sharjee Imam, uh, JNU student, has been accused of sedition. He's been arrested. Uh, there was also Dr. Kafil, who also criticized the anti-CA protest. He was arrested. There's a bunch of school children in Karnataka who were doing an anti-CA play and there was a uh, sedition case sort of slapped on them and they were questioned by the police. Inside a police station. Inside a police station, that image went viral and it was quite, uh, it was quite something to see. Another big political news was uh, Prashant Kishore and Pavan Verma have been expelled from JDU after a bit of, quite a bit of, it was a sort of a public spat with, of course, Twitter featuring in. And uh, India has got its first coronavirus infection confirmed in Kerala. And there's quite a bit of scare now over this. I don't know how, how much of it is media kind of making this sound as scary as it is or if it's just a lot of media hype? It is, it is because in China also it's sort of spreading exponentially so 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of danger to it. And they have started making viruses. They have started designing viruses, but they won't be available for human trials until like summer. So like four or five months away. And finally, badminton A Sanya Nehwal has joined BJP. So that's about the most, some of the most important things that had happened last week, uh, this week. Vivek, uh, we'll just come straight to you and ask sure. you if you've read the economic survey, if you've read anything of it. What do you think of it? Or do you, you usually economic surveys are also considered to be really well written and beautiful documents that yeah. people should so read. Basically, what and this uh, sort of changed after Kaushik Basu became the chief uh, economic advisor in 2009. Uh, in what used to be a uh, remarkably esoteric uh, document, suddenly became uh, very readable. So essentially, there are two parts uh, to uh, any economic survey: the volume one and the volume two. And in volume one, uh, basically, uh, you know, all chief economic advisors essentially uh, try to pad up their own resume by essentially uh, doing some uh, research on 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 topics which impact uh, India in a very big way. So, uh, and volume two is essentially this is is where the actual economic survey is, where the state of the economy is discussed. And, you know, uh, from what I've sort of managed to gather by speed reading, because it's, it's a very long document, mm. is uh, that uh, the uh, the chief economic advisor, uh, what he's saying, and he's been saying this for a while now, uh, so he said the same thing in the survey as well, that ultimately all uh, consumption is a function of investment. So to explain this in simple English, what it basically means is, you know, when investment happens, uh, factories are built and offices are built and jobs are created, people earn. And when people earn, they consume. Hmm. Now, because our investment, you know, if you look at the investment to GDP ratio, uh, because it's crashed from around uh, 35, 36 percent in 2012 to uh, uh, around 28 percent in 2019, 20. And this is almost at a 20 year low. Uh, so because investment uh, is not happening at the same pace as it was, uh, jobs are not being created. And uh, what has made the situation worse is, is the fact that, you know, uh, the India's so-called demographic dividend, where a million uh, youth are entering the workforce uh, every month, hmm. uh, there are not enough jobs going around for them, hmm. and which is ultimately uh, led uh, to, you know, consumption slowdown. Now, this is also visible in, if you look at the rate at which incomes have gone up in the last few years, uh, the income growth has slowed down uh, dramatically. In fact, uh, again, I mean, this year, the, the per capita income growth is uh, around 6.7%, uh, which is again at a multi-year low. So uh, so if you take all these factors into account, I mean, they essentially explain the uh, why India is going through what it is going through right now. And uh, that's the core argument in the economic survey. I mean, this is the most basic point. And I mean, obviously, there, there is a lot, there are a lot of other things also, but this is what I could gather uh, in in the last uh, half an hour. So, what do they attribute this to? Like, I mean, things are bad, but what are the key sort of reasons that they? The key reason is that I mean, this is what I think. I'm I'm not sure whether uh, the chief economic advisor also says the same thing. But uh, you know, basically, what has happened is that uh, it's it's difficult to carry out any kind of economic activity in India now. And something as basic as uh, you know, to to take a small entrepreneur's case, filing the goods and services tax. Uh, you know, monthly or even quarterly 
is turning out to be a huge pain. Hmm. And this is not just because, uh, you know, the act is uh, sort of complicated at multiple levels. It's also because, you know, on the day when, when you're filing, something as basic as uh, the OTP will not be generated or you may not be able to upload uh, the files that are required to be uploaded. So, you know, these are this shouldn't be happening two and a half years after, you know, GST was first brought in. I mean, these are operational issues. Uh, they shouldn't have happened even, uh, you know, one month after GST was launched. Now, given that they're happening two and a half years after GST was launched, uh, this is bound to be a problem and this has sort of gone on for too long now. So, hmm. uh, Vivek, uh, so uh, you're saying that the problem is basically that the investment is not happening in the economy. So, I remember right. some time ago, the government gave a huge tax cut to the corporates right. and the argument was that this will spur investment so has right. that not worked then uh, i mean see it's it's very it's like it's a chicken and egg story right i mean so the, the, there were two arguments which were made one was that the tax rates need to be normalized in line with uh, you know other countries in asia in order to encourage uh, foreign investment into the uh, or even to make indian uh, exports uh, uh, competitive the other part was obviously that uh, if you sort of lower the uh, tax rates, the, the corporates are more likely to invest. Now, the, the problem with this argument is that uh, the first problem is that, you know, when, when a corporate invests money, he needs to see a return on his investment. And that uh, most corporates are not confident right now because consumption has slowed down. I mean, any corporate will expand only when, you know, the corporate is sure that whatever they produce, consumers will buy. Now, so right now that confidence is clearly missing, uh, number one. And the second thing is, you know, it's not uh, foreign investment will not just come to India because tax rates are low. I mean, there are so many other things that uh, need to be in place. I mean, right from physical infrastructure to, you know, cost of moving goods around, so on and so forth. So there are many other uh, things that need to be set uh, right. And unless that happens, uh, I mean, money will go keep going elsewhere than come, come to India. So... So basically what this corporate tax cut has done is it's essentially helped, uh, you know, corporates uh, sort of increase their earnings without really doing anything. And that in turn has translated into, uh, you know, the stock market rallying since September. And in the end, the, the, the richest of the lot who invest in stocks have basically benefited. So. Hmm. So it's not gone down to the people on the street is what you're saying? No, no, it's, the benefits. It, see, it, should, it could not have. I mean, I had uh, said this, at, you know, the day after the corporate tax was cut because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, as I said, you know, no corporate's going to invest if uh, consumption is slowing down. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. So I don't know why they even did this because it would just have been much better to sort of do a personal tax cut and put money in the hands of people. Now, people may not have uh, spent that money but ultimately, the chances of people spending money were much better than the chances of a corporate spending money. So Yeah. Okay. Also, the pieces you wrote for us is like uh, on the budget, the series. So the one argument is one way out of this is to spend money for the government to right. spend a lot of money. But right. then again, it's spending on these things. It's spending on uh, corporate tax cuts, even when it's giving like uh, money right. for health insurance, it's also going to insurance companies, most of it. Right. So is there a way to transfer the bulk of that money to the ordinary consumer so that right. like the consumer demand picks up? Right, which is what I said. See, the, the fastest way of getting money in, in the hands of people in this country is an income tax uh, rate cut or, you know, an increase in slabs. Uh, that's the fastest way of doing it. Now, the problem is that the government has already cut the corporate uh, income tax. And because of that, uh, you know, they're having huge problems in uh, earning the kind of money they had hoped 
to earn during the course of this year so the question is will they sort of uh, you know cut personal income tax after having cut corporate income tax because yeah. uh, you revenue, know ultimately be the deficit. budget also has you know it has a certain math and that math needs to work out so but again though even if they cut the income tax that only that in the population that pays income tax is very small mm-hmm. like compared to other economies so you know so it's this is where i think the argument gets slightly nuanced so uh, yes i mean uh, there is no uh, two ways about it uh, the pe- number of people paying income tax is not huge uh, but you need to take into account the fact that uh, these are the people who have who the purchasing spend, power yeah. capacity in the economy okay yeah. Yeah. also you know you don't uh, in order to get a consumption cycle going you don't need uh, all indians to start consuming all at once i mean even if a section of the population starts consuming more than it currently is that in itself will benefit uh, the economy because ultimately you know one man's spending is another man's income so see you know we are we are basically assuming that uh, the government can get the economy back on track i i think that's a far fetched idea the only thing the government can do is to try and wow that's a not not a very optimistic thing to say before no, the budget so, no but that's the way <laughs> see what what happens is manisha you know uh, one thing that people don't realize is that economics is not a science i mean it's even though over the years it's uh, you know most economists uh, who study economics hmm. try to pass it off as science and maths because there is a lot of maths uh, in 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 modern economics but it is it is it is not a science i mean so ultimately you can do certain things and then hope that you know something mm. else happens so which is, is what i'm saying yeah, the, the best thing you behavior. can do right now is to sort of cut the personal tax uh, slabs and uh, hope uh, that you know money that people end up with they they spend some of it also you know uh, the other thing as i had said was uh, that you know the government ju- just spending money doesn't make sense i mean it has to spend money on the right things because if if you look at uh, the government spending over the last 2 uh, years uh, that's the fastest growing uh, you know part of the gdp and it is government spending which has been driving growth in the last 2 years so if uh, and even this year i mean the government spending will go up by close to 14% so if the government spending going even after the government spending going up by 14% if the economy is growing at 5% the problem is not with government spending the problem is somewhere else, somewhere else. Uh, the problem is with the remaining 90% of the economy which is private so mm-hmm. the government can only do so much but uh, indications are that the government is cutting down uh, you know expenditure on social schemes so how do you see it so basically you see what has what what has happened is that the tax projections have gone uh, dramatically wrong this year i mean Uh, you know obviously tax projections go wrong all the time but this time they've gone dramatically wrong and they'll end up with uh, they had hoped uh, to uh, the gross tax revenue what which they hoped to earn was around 24.6 lakh crore if i remember the number correctly but they'll end up with something like 20 lakh crore so uh, with a part of it obviously will be filled by the massive dividend that they've got uh, from rbi uh, but there'll still be a you know a gap of close to 1 1/2 2 lakh crores if that gap has to be filled Uh, the only way uh, to do it is to cut expenditure in the last quarter or uh, you will see the fiscal deficit number uh, go up dramatically and uh, from whatever you know one has seen uh, with this government i don't think they'll let that uh, happen 
So, because, you know, the fiscal deficit number which the government hopes to achieve uh, was 3.3% of the GDP and that's also very, very, uh, I mean, manipulated is not the right word, but managed probably is the right word. Uh, the real fiscal deficit, if, uh, you know, all sorts of government expenditure is taken into account, would probably be more than 4.5% of the GDP. Now, over and above that, if the government continues to spend more, we are probably looking at 5, 5.5%, which is like, uh, you know, which is a huge number so hmm. so not really you're not really bright positive uh, before just the looking <laughs> back on the watershed yes. moments in uh, the last four years how yes. do you say that uh, the decisions taken by uh, this government on uh, demonetization and GST oh. now we have enough time frame to to see right. whether they were successful did they achieve what they meant to can you give us a bit of feedback on that sure sure so see demonetization was uh, going to be a disaster from day one I mean people who uh, came out in uh, favor of it I mean and, and people like Jagdish Bhagwati who you know probably is one of the most famous economists that India produced and the kind of stuff that they were talking about it was uh, extremely bizarre because you know it, it's it's very simple what does paper money do at the end of the day you know paper money essentially ensures that people can carry out economic transactions right now when you take 86% of the money out of the market obviously economic transactions will come to a standstill and which is precisely what happened now even though the money was sort of uh, pumped in over the next 5 6 months the problem is that during that period a lot of markets which worked exclusively on cash were uh, destroyed and this this you know if you go to like a place like thirupur uh, in tamil nadu which uh, uh, basically is uh, a global t-shirt producing hub or even ludhiana or i mean so a lot of these small even even agriculture markets were basically destroyed because uh, you know all the cash went out of the system and the re the ripple effects of that are still being uh, felt now you know the, the problem is that in our simplistic understanding of things we tend to think that all informal sector is bad or all informal sector is black now this is uh, you know incorrect in many ways because you know a lot of sectors are informal because if they start following all the rules and regulations that the state and the uh, uh, central government expects them to they'll never be viable that's one reason the second reason is that okay i mean yes uh, some proportion of, of the money that's being earned by the informal sector is black but you need to realize the fact that people who are employed in the informal sector i mean most of them 95% of them more than that in fact uh, don't make the kind of money that brings them in the tax bracket okay mm. so there is no question of the people working in the informal sector having to pay income tax also you need to realize that when these guys spend money they are paying uh, the goods and services tax yeah. they are paying the indirect tax indirect taxes so they are contributing to the uh, government exchequer so even though you know there is a part of that economy is black not all of it is black Hmm. So, you know, these are things which they didn't, I mean, uh, it's it's amazing that, uh, you know, such a decision was taken without even thinking through the most uh, basic of uh, things. 
and uh, this is you know it's it's continued to hurt us and uh, and as far as gst is concerned it's 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 been so terribly implemented that uh, i mean i pay gst every month and uh, i uh, you know keep dealing with uh, you know problems all the time now now what what has happened is that uh, because there was so much hangama so the government decided that people whose turnover is less than 1.5 crore need to file a return once every 3 months okay now the problem is uh, you know when i file file a return every 3 months uh, let's say you know i'm dealing with a large media conglomerate now that media conglomerate wants to take the input tax credit every month it does not want to wait for 3 months so in the process what happens is until i file my tax returns uh, every 3 months my money is not paid so my cycle which was used to be around you know uh, one and a half months uh, to be paid has now increased to 3 months now i am just a single guy you know i i don't have to pay people you know i mean if some money is blocked it's fine i have savings in the bank so imagine a guy who's who's sort of running this you know small business and he employs four five people if his money starts getting blocked for 3 months i mean how is he is he expected to carry out uh, that business so you know the idea uh, in this move was to help people but it's ended up uh, hurting them so so in, in in a similar sort of way you know it's it's like every day you know every few days the gst council wakes up and then something uh, uh, new is decided and and even the chartered accountants just can't uh, keep track and i mean it's not fair on them because uh, you know one this was a new uh, law which was introduced Uh, without any preparation and uh, two if you keep making so many changes to it how is anyone uh, supposed to keep track of it yeah and so, then the issues that you I mentioned like Vivek, otp sorry. and internet i mean even with internet shutdowns and yes. all that it's just i mean i wonder what like for example people uh, so, you know the, the government's excuse is that uh, you know 80 whatever i mean a huge portion of people file gst returns on the last day they should not do that i mean i find that uh, you know excuse remarkably stupid because if there is a last day why should i file my money in advance because you know what what happens is uh, so let's say uh, you know the month of january okay the writing that i do in the month of january the invoices for that have to be generated in february and the gst has to be paid by march 20th irrespective of whether i have been paid or not so in that sense why should i file you know and and why should i pay uh, gst before uh, march 20th i mean why yeah. should i block no, my no, money yeah so, the fact that you have a last day means like you have the luxury to file on the last day, day. Right? Yeah. so your systems <laughs> should be good enough to yeah. uh, take in the load that comes in that, uh, on on that last day So which is which the systems are clearly not so uh vivek what i'm wondering is that despite all the inconvenience that demonetization caused and the gst has caused to traders and everything when they talk to you about it they're extremely yes. upset about the systems but the support for modi when you ask them after all they're complaining yes. that will you vote for modi they say yes ha huh. can you explain that it seems to me like completely <laughs> illogical think <laughs> <laughs> is like i don't know that's because i suppose knows. people are not always driven by I mean, like I, material I, interests there how are much are people driven by economy actually well, i mean that really something interesting for economists to explain like how much of a i think know, my feeling is, is that there's a psychological disconnect between your vote and your daily troubles 
You know, so you're going <laughs> oh, through a, you're going true. through a daily it's trouble, inconvenience. Yeah. So every time the wa- now it doesn't happen, uh, and this is not an endorsement for Kejriwal, but I must say that from the time when it used to be five six years ago, the Bijli Pani situation has definitely improved in Delhi. There's no question yes. about that, mm. and we were constantly struggling about Bijli Pani in every home, mm. no matter what income level. I've seen this happen, mm. but. When it when it used to go wrong at that time, did I say, damn Sheila Dixit? <laughs> no, you're just surviving. You're finding ways to do it. Yeah. And I think that is a, a sort of um, hangover from the colonial system where you don't connect what you're going through on a daily basis to the powers who are actually responsible. Hmm. I think so, yeah. I think a, a truly evolved citizenry will immediately think like, you know, why did, he, why did I vote this guy in power when he's doing this? So I think that evolution still has to take place. But this psychological disconnect, I think, is on the test in this in these elections because absolutely uh, absolutely because, because yeah because KGY KGY has really, that it's uh, on on governance yes and although i must say that i personally do not like what he's been doing to the private schools it's max of indira gandhi's thing that if you can't fix the government things then you screw the private ones but what he's done with the government schools is remarkable mm. my daughter does some pro bono work over there and she's built libraries in various government schools she says the ma- the difference is remarkable and Remarkable. some schools, parents are now prefer to send them mm-hmm. to the government schools because they're better equipped, better teachers, uh, toilets functioning, everything. So there's a big change. And I mm-hmm. think that if people do respond to Kejriwal's uh, insistence that this is a governance mm-hmm. um governance uh, mm. election then surely they should respond they should. appropriately but the thing is that when you're voting even in the delhi elections you're voting kejriwal versus who's the bjp chief minister we don't know we don't so know. you're basically voting for the modi, modi cult modi. it's if you're yeah, a belie- yeah. it's if modi you're, versus if you're believing in yeah. modi then you'll vote bjp no matter who the and chief minister that is, is. Uh, the bjp slogan also ki desh badlaye delhi badlenge it's not even modi ki versus kejriwal it's modi versus shahin bag that's what <laughs> that's Amshat what uh, i mean shah is saying ya to shahin bag ke ya hamare saath ya desh ke saath so kejriwal symbolizes shahin bag yeah, i mean that's what they're trying to do that's but trying the, to do it. that's the thing with, that's the thing with a simple idea i mean however wild it is but the power of simple idea is that it captures you when yeah. you're talking about kejriwal he is trying to run on governance that implies that you have to give details so yeah. you get bogged down in specifics but you know i'm quite amazed True. at how effective the propaganda has been because i was at this business people's party all right mm. which they cre- clearly look at me as some kind of a weirdo you know you know madhu in that kind of thing i don't think they get journalists or whatever so there was one businessman sitting there and saying you know i was in hyderabad and i was walking in what is the main walking area there in hyderabad where everybody walks this big gate the charminar area the charminar area huh kbr park i don't know so he was in some major park mm-hmm. and he says i'm walking through there and i am frightened i'm so afraid charminar he was saying because it's a muslim yeah, area yeah charminar yeah. so he says i was really frightened i was so scared walking there do you know how threatened i felt i was so frightened so i said it did anyone say anything to you he says no but i was frightened i said <laughs> but how could they tell whether you're a hindu or a muslim you could be either looking at mm-hmm. you're not wearing a burqa or anything you're wearing how most muslim men dress anyway of of his age so he says but i was frightened 
So then I said, then it's your internal fear. So what Modi and gang have been successful in instigating is a fear like what he's saying about they'll come into your homes and rape you. Okay, mm. tell me one incident when Muslims mm. have come in and, and just raped uh, women in Delhi mm. random. How mm. weird is that? And mm. we are going to save you. When did, since when did they, the most uh, reports of BJP rapists and, and uh, attacks on women and verbal attacks mm. on women are from BJP ministers right. and B- BJP. So I don't know where they're coming from. The fear, what was interesting to me was that this, this businessman is creating a fi- fear psychosis. with that fear psychosis. Mm. And was believing his own fear. And I said, listen, more than that, why don't you try being a woman and walk through any of the Hindu areas? I said, even a woman at my age, a woman in any of these Hindu areas is fair game. Do you know how unsafe I feel walking in those areas alone? Send her to Jeva. Exactly. (laughs) This this guy has the shooter head come from. Can I I say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please step in. Yeah. So I have I've stayed in Hyderabad for three years, and I think it's uh, one of the safest places safest I've ever place. been to. Hmm. And uh, you know, Muslim areas, Hindu areas. I mean, it's so I don't know why where that fear was coming but from. But that's my point. Uh, it's not coming from any reality. Mm. Yeah, it's I know, coming I know. I mean, so from it's, it's just a, and in all these know, WhatsApp messages that are sent. They're going to come and do this to you. They're going to come that. I think it's also somewhere. It's not just fear. I think it's. It's a deep-rooted hate and prejudice also that we've had. Yes. And now it's just okay to voice it and then find oh some reason. But that's you know, the Trump yeah. syndrome. Yeah, you exactly. Know, but like he gave the green light to all the races. Yeah. And this is now... No, but there are also people who had... Uh, there's a They had learned that despite going through partition, going through coming from Lahore, they had also learned that all that violence and hatred didn't get them anything. They lost everything. And they had, both sides had people killed, women raped, all kinds of lost everything on both sides. So there was that element of, okay, I think we need to get along with each other for all of our survival. So there was a suppression of maybe that inner oh. hatred that that an ordinary Hindu might have. So there was a thing like, okay, we've got to survive so we don't have to feed it Mm. now this feeding of it has led to where we are today but i think uh, what you say about partition this is precisely why something like this doesn't really fly in punjab because there they've actually seen what it does like once you feed into this what it can do to your families and to your homes and even in bengal i think i mean bengalis are the only one who actually went through the trauma of partition like my father my mother's family all of i wasn't born but all of them went through the real trauma of seeing their houses burn my grandmother running into her burning haveli because she'd forgotten that one potli which had all her money and jewelry and papers they all went through trauma but once they were here then my father did a lot to keep his connections with his now Pakistani friends alive. He used to go every year and meet them. Mm. Despite going through being stripped at the border to check whether he was Hindu or Muslim, despite having everything, you know, so there was a lot of physical trauma, which unlike, as I've said before, unlike the Jews, Hindus don't like to talk about it. We want to put it away and move on. There is a difference. So I think, but today, talking about today, I think they did not need to create this because they've already got the mandir and if they had focused more on the needs of where the country is today which is in terms of economy and the investment and jobs and all the rest of it i think they would have strategically would have been better off because this what they presumed is that that continual communal divide helps them 
I think those days are gone. As you see that all the protests around the country are not all Muslim-based. There are people from all religions. Now, I wanted to ask you, what has happened to Yogendra Yadav and Prashant Bhusan? <laughs> Yesterday they were arrested and then they've been forgotten. Nobody covered whether <laughs> no, they've been actually, released or not. <laughs> they're the two most forgettable people. And Prashant Bhusan did the most wonderful thing. The most, I think it should be memed by you in your nuisance. What? Where he says, Aapko pata hai main kaun kaun Oh gosh. <laughs> he did that. He I said did. that. He he asked a policeman, you know who I am? I am the Supreme Court ka lawyer. Oh, lawyer so sweet. <laughs> with his topi. And you know with his regular, <laughs> so how he whines. You know who I am? No, I don't know. No, actually, Yogendra Yadav and Prashant Bhushan. You have to go there. You have to go there. And Yogendra Yadav and he had the same whiny tone. You know, Yadav has this kind of... But he was saying... Everything is like a samjhane ka tone. Main toh keh raha hoon, aaj 30 January hai. Gandhi ji ka ye... Hum unko maante hain. Sir jangan mana haath pakad ke gana chaate hain. To is mein kya taklif hai aapko? Meanwhile, meanwhile, the other joker is saying... Aap jaante nahi hai, main koon hoon, main supreme koon. And that policeman is completely impervious. He doesn't give a shit. He, he says, "Up order, dikhao. Up zara, aapko ham order, dikhao." He is not even bothering to answer. No, but I think with both of them, because they've been just doing this for so long, there's no novelty now. Like Ram Goa went once, got detained, and then that made news. And, but you know, these guys like every day they land up and get detained. So now it's just like, yeah. No, but that's also <laughs> because I mean, because they do it so often, they've become like the like the way you look at a traffic policeman. Okay, they're standing there, they wave their arms and legs and then, and move you on. That's what these two are doing. No, I think that's also because I mean, it might be harsh to say this, but they are no longer in with the liberal crowd, which sort of drives the narrative in this country. No, no. Like, Why? I don't. Prasant Bhushan is the no, toast of no, he's and like so more on the on the left side. Of them, they, they don't really because Not of really. his pronouncements on Kashmir Manisha, and everybody. They don't really have a following as such. They've never had. They've never had that. Anyway, so this we can segue into uh, the big news of Arnab Goswami being heckled on uh, the plane. Not heckled, but yeah. Uh, Madhu, have you ever been um, accosted by a reader or a viewer? Thousands. Gandhi journalism hai, shame on you thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of times I can't even count I don't know if even in a ladies room okay oh, wow so even in a ladies room one woman verbally attacked me at, at uh, restaurants many 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 times in front of my children and family on planes uh, on a guy planes si- on planes a guy sitting behind oh, me le- leans over my seat and starts giving me b- gyan like what and bhashan ke, you, you people think so much of yourself that you can do this you can do that who gave you the right to do this why did you ask this what? and especially when I did the contempt of court uh, when I was held up for contempt of court I can't tell you how many people how many people came and shouted at me for doing it mm. I, I'd go to a party and I'd be shouted at that how dare you question the judges how dare you make the judges give a report card on the judges so I name a place and I've been accosted on the street I mean, but I, I don't object to it okay I am very comfortable with it 
I am mm. welcome it because it gives Don't me. Don't say that. You give the wrong idea. Kal ko people listening to Afta will just be like, let's ghirao Madhu's house. Ah, ghirao me. I'll deal with it. I'm quite happy. I invite you because I feel very strongly about this. That just as I feel that judges should be accountable, which is why we did that report card for which I was held up in contempt of court by a full judgment. I think journalists, you are writing in a public space. You are then in a. in a public space you yourself your body your mind everything is in a public space you are addressing the public the public has a right to come and question you right. or argue with you yes. or shout you down whatever they have to do okay i'm okay with it i think it's our duty and responsibility to engage and respond there was one time there's been a lot of shouting and all that that's happened but one time as i uh, wrote also on twitter once at a wedding there was a physical vi- there was physical violence okay because this couple Uh, was he was uh, some uh, level of um, relative of vp singh when he was prime minister so as a family ka this thing he made him a minister of state of some small ministry so this poor couple who'd never had a house had lived in a little hole suddenly had a government house and they were so thrilled and we went to this naina and um, dumpy emma's wedding and over there she started screaming literally shouting across the thing that I lost my house because of you and you're not a journalist you're a prostitute you're this you're that and she was shouting you bought over by the other side and mm. we lost our, because of your reporting on VP Singh because we showed the mandal uh students being killed on camera which in those days you never saw anything on mm-hmm. camera you see a little line saying two students killed but we physically showed the violence with a student being shot being dragged with broken arms by the police um uh, the self immolation we showed everything we showed all the students uh protesting with a lot of interviews and everything and arun nehru and vp singh basically decided that they would do uh the strong arm tactics and and ordered you know firing and to control the situation and it made it worse of course and so this violence spread around the country now this woman and her husband were blamed me so they got violent they got physically violent so i think that what kunal did hmm. what kunal as far as i'm concerned you don't have to be a journalist to address me so people saying that he's not even a journalist how dare he what appalls me is that why do so many times why do indian citizens put their lot in with suppression and repression of freedom of speech why is there so much support that how dare he invade his personal space there is no personal space in india where's the personal space <laughs> okay. okay so what are you talking about personal once you put your if you are on camera every single day shouting there is no personal space shouting and poking all the and, time and abusing poking. people yes. calling them vermins and anti national and gidars and patani kya kya cowards uh. he's abusing people every single day calling And, calling uh, uh, that shashi tharoor a rapist a murderer. rapist murderer murderer, murderer. and getting those two that uh, arushi talwar's parents ah. in jail for 4 years oh, yeah. because he was taking uh, he was taking uh, material from the second cbi team yes, who yes. had uh, an agenda and he was pl- taking the plants and putting out lies and those guys went to jail for 4 years because of his coverage so this is unforgivable and this is how this is what journalism has become it's become terrorism journalism is violent journalism it is not journalism it is violent to the point of pushing an agenda which is seriously uh, chilling and frightening so what if for example if kunal kamra had come up to him and said 
why uh, you be Kunal and ask I'm Arnab. Ask me the Kunal's questions. <laughs> Are you an international? Why are you doing the coverage that you're doing? Why Because doing I believe in it, Kunal. What's your problem? Okay. <laughs> oh, so you should have just responded. You are saying. Yeah, I'm saying that he could have responded. Hmm. Okay, he could have said, "I do believe you're an anti-national." He could have done a little debate over there. Hmm. Yeah, but I guess it's too choreographed. I guess like. No, I what I'm saying is, guys really like put out. I, what he does in the studio, I don't know if he's capable of doing that in real life. Like in real life, whenever a, I've met him, he uh, is charming, gracious, uh, wonderful, soft-spoken. All right, I don't know what happens to him once the, he's sitting in that studio, but I think that this incident one could have been handled better by what's his name, uh, Arnab himself. Secondly, as has been uh, reported by the pilot, when Kunal was told by the uh, cabin attendant to go and sit down, he apologized to her and sat down. Salam. There was no complaint made to the pilot. The airline on its own without an inquiry without a written complaint which usually the procedure is the cabinet attendant will go to the captain the captain will investigate the captain will then write a letter and then there'll be an investigation and then after the investigation maximum the person gets three months mm. none of that happened and the, he's given six months no mm. fly by airlines that he hasn't even been on <laughs> yeah. now this is no laughing matter because this is chilling and the civil this shows that the, uh, Arnab's clout uh -huh. are we supposed to admire it, fear it, envy it. What is the position that what is the message Arnab is given, giving to the world that if you try to even approach me, I can damage you. Hmm. That is chilling. This actually goes to what you were saying earlier about the lack of accountability because in India, India doesn't really have a culture of accountability and there are no institutional structures when it comes to media. You go to press council of India, nothing happens. You might even go to the courts, nothing happens. And then this thing happens and this argument that it's journalism he can do whatever Arnab can say whatever is like nonsense I mean technically Rwanda radio is also journalism mm. there is an excuse that I think uh, because that there are no culture of there's no culture of accountability these powerful pe people whether in politics in media or business community they think it's they, they're not answerable to anybody but Miraj isn't that even more important for every citizen to hold everyone accountable exactly that's I what I'm saying I think everyone has a right whether there's a judge sitting over there honestly I would do that yes if I saw a judge if I saw any of those judges who let off Gogoi by suppressing the the complaint, the molestation or the harassment, not the the harassment complaint, I would accost that judge. In fact, I have accosted one judge for the Sabarmati judgment, where uh, this particular judge had said that it, it's right for them to stop women from coming in. I did argue, and I said, "How are you? How did you say this?" So I didn't see anyone getting crazy. I think it's if you do it decently. If you're presented as a point of view, as an argument without abuse and shouting, I think every citizen has a right to approach anyone and talk about it. Because that's the only way to hold them accountable. There's, yes. Like I said, there are no institutional ways to hold them accountable. So this is the only means you have. What else are you supposed to do? Uh, Vivek, did you see the uh, viral clip and what did you make of uh, Kamra's strategy? And have you been accosted by anyone for what you write? Uh, How dare you I criticize mean, demonetization? Yes, but huh? uh, I mean, nobody's sort of uh, gotten aggressive, not hmm. at least not until, uh, you know, up until now. And I mean, I guess that's also a function of the fact that, uh, you know, I 
my most of my in fact 95% of my writing is on the economy hmm. which most people don't follow so so they don't get uh, very bothered uh, but uh, but it does get nasty on uh, twitter uh, once in a while and it's the funny thing is there are people who've blocked me on twitter but when they've met me they've met me very nicely you know i have to <laughs> add one thing manisha somehow readers and viewers if they see a journalist being aggressive when say when i interview people depending on the person there've been many times where i've been very aggressive and rough with the person i'm interviewing somehow people get it in their heads that when i'm in a private place in somebody's house party whatever they think i'm fair game because i have been rough with someone hmm. they come and they accost me and get rough immediately hmm. and i'm like standing there minding my own business and i say well what did i do what is this hmm. what gives this person the right to come and start abusing me right away and then i realize that they think that because i am rough there in my mm. private life much like arnab i'm not going around screaming and yelling at people mm. i'm not getting aggressive with people but they seem to think that you're open game then mm mm-hmm. but what did you make of the uh, of kunal's what he I, did i i wasn't surprised by what he did but uh, you know having said that uh, you know i have a i mean i agree with what madhu is saying so the point i wanted to make was a little different uh, and i don't know how to put this but mm. you know this is uh, this is something that uh, the current government loves okay because it allows them to deviate attention from the mm. more important issues right so if you look at the fact that this is the budget week there is the economic yeah. survey you know obviously yeah. there should have some talk about the economy i mean i'm not hmm. trying to say it should have been the number one oh, that's um, the best conspiracy theory that kunal True. was planted by the bjp to distract <laughs> no, 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 put no, him no, on no, the no, same no, flight no, as arnab and confront him i'm joking what i'm yeah what i'm trying to say is that that you know this is a situation which was tailor made for uh, the bjp government to exploit and they have exploited it i mean if if you look at the way uh, uh, the civil aviation minister hardeep puri has reacted and his talk uh, in the bjp has definitely gone up so i mean so if you if you compare this with what anurag thakur did okay a few days back now a lot of people were like are he is the minister of state for finance how can he do this he should be busy with the budget and i find all that very surprising and uh, even laughable because you know it's precisely the thing that they want you to do and and he he has done that so his talk in the bjp would have definitely gone up after that but look at the difference in punishment to kunal and to anurag thakur who's banned from yeah. from uh, campaigning for way. 72 hours when he's saying goli loke maro and a guy goes and brings out a gun and goli and then r- look at the play of events republic then reports it as a student a protester with a gun all right goes on saying that whatever that these protesters have now brought violence and goes on for like i don't know one hour or more and then suddenly they realize realize it's not a protester it's in fact he's a proclaimed self proclaimed hindu bhakt then they changed the narrative but not completely what they're saying is that he was they they're blaming like if i slap you if i slap manisha it's manisha's mm. fault for provoking me mm. so what what uh, arnab's whole program was based on the fact that stop provoking us stop yeah. provoking the hindu the hindu <laughs> nation what else do you expect if you provoke a shahin bag people are provoking us that's why he pulled out a gun oldest so trick in the game for standing then provoking me if i slap you oldest trick in the game blame the victim what did what did you think no, from no, myself I, so of i just wonder i mean what is going to happen to this pilot 
and he was so brave he came out with this statement who the pilot, pilot. who came out and uh, gave his not fired i hope he doesn't get fired i mean that's the only thing he'll uh, get another job yeah and yes i mean the kind of treatment being given to all these violators if we if we call them people who are violating uh, you know the rules i mean anurag thakur doctor uh, what is his name that uh, gorakhpur doctor doctor kafil kafil i mean he made a statement and he was arrested he ntca's statement i think he d- gave uh, some, le- some a very bland statement very bland. I, i don't even ah. remember what it was nothing nothing controversial ah. just like what you and i say every ah. day on the and here elsewhere. the hate speech by thakur just 3 days back Yeah, yeah, I think just three days ban and no FIR registered. I'll go Nothing. back to what uh, Vivek no was saying. No oh. case of sedition. The the Shalji Imam, yeah. he was saying such a small thing. All that he said, like Shine Bag, why it became popular because they blocked the road. So 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 the people, uh, so they the entire in attention, you know, as and 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 besides that, the women are uh, agitating. So similarly, he said, why don't you block a road which goes to north east? So why don't you cut off? northeast so but he did not mean anything anti national he was just trying to tell a strategy to you no, know i disagree i mean, I mean it was a fantastic protesters i and i disagree i think what he said was could be deemed seditious because he said assam ko kaat do india se na 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 he kaat do aise nahi kaat do mane ye thoda ki violently kaat do kuch kar do aise nahi road se i think it was being fantastical i think it was i mean when i it was just a strategy i thought it was just really ridiculous strategy of protest i mean like shine bag you just डू धरना ओवर द रोड एंड आसाम को वहां से काट दो उस सेंस में बोला वो which is exactly it like is the problem which is the which yes. if you think about is real sedition but i'll go back to what vivek was saying earlier about how bjp is playing this i think i respectfully disagree because sometimes you just have to stand on principle because this thinking how it will play out politically has, is what has gotten us here don't talk about gandhi's assassination don't talk no, about no, 84 I, don't I didn't talk mean about that what i meant was i didn't mean that kunal shouldn't have done that all i'm trying to say is that it doesn't affect you know, bjp or that other the thrive on the sort of thing bjp has you know he, it, it it sort of gave them you know uh, an issue to sort of divert attention from the main issues all over again that's all i'm trying to say yeah that's true but they can use anything for that matter i mean yeah, their true, only true, agenda true. is there they have only one like slogan one agenda which they have been regurgitating since like for the last 100 years since 25 i so. think so far as i mean my view on this Are, are you done? Sorry. It's such a huge case of sedition against Thakur. After this guy, you know, yesterday he at Jamia he well inciting m- violence for sure because he, incited, he, he actually he, said his 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 slogan actually you know somebody did it. Goli maro salo ko. It's completely connected. It's completely And connected. And you know today so, for the since Shahin Bagh started, it takes uh, from where I live, it takes me forty minutes to get out of my colony. every day i know mm. so for any 10 minute ride that i used to take i have to add on 40 minutes mm. are you me, upset with it no no i'm also not <laughs> i i'm I, irritated with it that uh, i have to do it but i'm not against it i'm coming from noida every day i travel it takes me 2 hours mm. extra 
No, because that because is they I mean, have closed that Noida yeah. road. Yeah. So Noida is so difficult. No, they blocked so many roads yes. because if you're anywhere near Jamia, everything yes. is blocked. Yes. And the problem is our elite colony welfare association is even more clever that they close all the gates so we can't get out. That no one comes inside. Hey, jokers, no one comes inside. How do we go out? There's this uh, idea very cherished by the Indian middle class that only a protest that does doesn't inconvenience people mm. and by people they usually mean themselves is legitimate it must be in, it must inconvenience it people must and it must yeah, inconvenience people public power theater. this is yes. what shalji imam had said and he's in the jail and this guy thakur is out yeah. that is why these protests no there is a protest every day at jantar mantar or in ramlila maidan none of them even are registered anywhere because they don't inconvenience anybody and now though you even no, have but to you see the patience and protests in december on the december 16th this thing if we had that kind of thing where people were really agitated and upset that this has become a slow simmering boil where it's simmering whereas that was like an extreme boil and i don't know how the slow simmering boil has to last longer and it has to affect people in power now unless the bjp believes that they're going to lose votes by diverting by dividing the country they won't mm. change in fact yeah i think they think that they're going to just win also it's the thing but they've lost them, every the past election the last three elections they've lost they're going mm. to lose delhi yeah are you sticking your neck out on that till yes. delhi yeah okay also the thing is i mean the problem with these kinds of protests is which are not organized which don't have an organizational machinery behind them which are organic is they might shape the conversation they might give you new ideas new narratives but they don't last Hmm. because ultimately people have to go back to earning their livelihood people have to go run their families exactly it needs to have to a leadership sort of yeah. thing but i think i mean coming back to the kunal camera thing i think that we've been tracking arnab for so long and we've you know he's been a source of much hilarious jokes and memes and i mean i think um, i first actually watched him when i was in journalism school when he was covering 2611 and i was that was, I was the really best impressed. coverage i've ever seen i was a kid i, mean, I was learning journalism yeah. up for 48 hours you know hours. when he made a song and dance about it's been two days and we haven't got out of our studio but you could choose very much from behind his desk no commercials nothing yeah. he was he was amazing and then he became a joke at some point and now it's it's just stopped being funny because of what he's done over the past 5 years is just a uh, bully people pick on the weak and really go after people who are seen as discomforting the establishment and no, he's gone you know, after students manisha there's one thing that if you look at it when he was working for times now he was working for people who had invented paid news institutionalized wow. paid news and he was working for people like that so where is your integrity to start with all right then you start working then he starts republic which is funded as you know by the bjp chandrashekhar this yeah. thing so then one of the investors so you follow your what your investor wants mm. but i think he also believes in what he's i mean i don't know if it's just as simple as i think and like that interest aligned but i think that what he's it's done not, over no, the i yeah. don't think it is anything At i mean any journalist can you know go to an extent you know if he believes in something i mean i also believe in something but i don't follow that 
as a journalist so i think he's a peddler no he's you, you have to decide now in this country you have to decide am i a journalist or am i a propagandist yes. but i uh, but and if you yes. don't want to take yeah. sides yes. then you're a journalist at the same time i do understand some anxiety of journalists like me i think nidhi and everyone kind of voiced that you know this is not the way to protest or this is not the way to show your why act. i can't understand I, that i don't i don't agree with her so but i understand not, in one way say nobody we're sitting in a restaurant we're sitting in a plane we're sitting and nobody is allowed to speak to us who the hell are you as a journalist to say nobody is allowed to speak to you I don't everybody agree. is allowed to no, speak no, to no, you no no i don't agree with her but i can understand that because uh, if you look at someone like ravish he's been harassed for the journalism that he does being put on whatsapp groups people think that it's just okay to go up to him abuse him so if you if this kind of becomes a trend then it becomes a fair game for both sides to just go but at ravish has never complained Nirvish has never complained when people do this, and I've seen it physically, yeah. and I've also I mean, seen that Nirvish, when he goes somewhere, his I have not seen any other anchor person have the kind of following, yeah, he's and also very loved and love and yeah, affection that he's, he's seen. I've seen him while traveling. I've seen him in public places. People crowd; they adore him. Hmm. People love him too, but he's also or no, also or, or say for a Rajdeep Sardesai who was heckled when he was having breakfast in Karnataka. I he was no, covering the Karnataka elections and I mean, people just started screaming at him. So ju- it's just worrying because this call of who's a journalist who's not or what, what sort of journalism you like or not is subjective and it can very well just turn against No but what isn't subjective is subjective what call. isn't subjective is somebody abusing somebody and somebody asking questions. Yeah that's true. I mean he you Kunal at the most used I think one bad word Yeah, he just said fucking. And he that just was asked just as an adjective. Yes, it wasn't a directive. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't a directive. It was an adjective. I think, I think the right wing has so successfully killed nuance and conversations that this will be used to say, "Oh, now everyone's yeah, fair." And that's. I mean, that, that goes but I guess saying. yeah, you're right. Also, that, the thing is, like, if you Arnab Goswami, if you align yourself with the powerful, there's only one way to punch, and it's down, not up. So he'll only go with like against the weak. Uh, okay, so we've spent too much time talking about Arnab. Our view listeners will get angry because they're like, "Why do you keep talking about what you don't like?" <laughs> do you want to add anything to this, Vivek? Any last comments? No, I mean, no. We no, let's go to the next. Uh, I think we should talk about Prashant Kishore. This whole spat. That's interesting. It's very, very interesting. I can't understand what's happening. And I, li- I really uh, liked Pavan Kumar's uh, remark. That I uh, thank you very much. I don't have to defend your policies anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, it would have been nice if Anand was here with us. But it seems that I think he really wanted him to just take a very clear stance on CA and NRC, and Nitish was just not willing to do that. And I think he was trying to put pressure through Twitter or whatever, and that just didn't fly. Because Prashant Kishore would kind of do this on Twitter. That you know he would kind of posture on Twitter, and I think that's what kind of got to Nitish that he said that we are not. Leaders come and go. We can't like be slave yeah, to their Anand kind of. Anand has written a piece hmm. uh, on this and uh, a good piece. People should read that. And he basically, I mean, uh, these people do not matter. You know, they are not public faces. Prashant, they are Prashant are as well as Pawan. They're strategists, but yeah, they're uh, not they're like strategists. They they crowd. are they're very polished people. Uh, hmm. So which uh, and Nitish is more for. Uh, you know, people who have public following. So, mm. so, so he the feels that the party is Anand has written. So these people, Pawan Verma, Prashant Kishore, so-called outsiders, were pitted against people who were rooted Inside. in that state, who have a following, mm. and they wouldn't like suck up to these people. So ultimately, Nitish had to decide between the two mm. groups, and he went with people who are actually going to help him in the election. election. But then. That's that may be, but who's the next successor to Nitish, for example? Like in the party, there's really no one that is projected as a face. That's, I mean, even I can't think of a popular face. But that's true of every party, almost. No, 
I mean, not really. Yeah. I mean, there's always the son or the you know daughter-in-law. Or there's at least family. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of propped case, up. Yeah. Uh, so, I but I think what this also means is that once Nitish. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Bihar, actually. Will BJP press for its own chief minister? Or will they go with Nitish as the chief minister? And after Nitish, I think it makes it very easy for BJP to just come in and take over. What, what it, will, it will depend on the number. I mean, the seats that they're going hmm. to contest. And uh, at the end of the elections, I mean, who get maximum numbers? Were you following this, uh, Vivek? But I the don't Prashant think Kishore BJP ouster. is... I don't think BJP. Yeah, I I was, yeah. and uh, I think Nitish is still young. He's just sixty-eight. So. Oh, so you give you're giving him some more time too. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, politicians go on up until their early eighties easily. So, uh-huh. uh, so as long as he's uh, you know fighting elections and he continues to be relevant. The thing is, you know, you don't know which way he'll swing. So that's the. Yeah, he's always been kind of convenient. I mean, he's he, he's been now convenient. Now the issue is that you know Lalu would have patched up with Nitish, but uh, his son clearly doesn't want to. Hmm. So that doesn't leave him much of a choice because he can't fight elections on his own. Doesn't hmm. have that, you know, he doesn't have that kind of following and. Uh, so he has to either, you know, he has to either ally with the with with Lalu, which was not going to happen. So he doesn't have much of a choice now. So I think Prashant Kishore uh, leaving has also led to a lot of like Delhi gossip, like random gossip. I'm hearing one is that he'll join up, he'll become their Arun Jaitley. <laughs> then the second is that he's going to help Kanaiya and all float another party. And then I also heard he'll join TMC. So basically all the combinations. Isn't that uh, organization already working with AAP or something? That yeah, yeah. They're helping them for the elections. Yeah. IPAC uh-huh. has, is working with the Kejriwal. Apparently they're the ones who've told him to smile a lot. That's their intervention. And he, the IPAC is also working with TMC for the Bengal elections. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes also from now. If he sticks around as a political strategist, floats his own party or joins another also i think it'll be interesting to see what happens with this i mean india doesn't have this hasn't had this culture of what you would call political like mercenary political operatives like this guy so it's pretty common elsewhere in the west but india doesn't have you have like party loyalties politicians go here and there but not well, these outside consultants been, huh, like consultants, who are like yeah. who have their own consultancies and stuff and yeah, who yeah, go yeah. advising people whichever gives them money or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. so let's see basically basically strategize without really yeah without being without part an ideology. of the party as such yeah yeah but it'll be interesting to see i'm just gonna quickly read uh two letters because i didn't read any letters at all in the middle <laughs> so this one's from jaisal she says hello just writing to say thanks for bringing advaita kala on the panel although i couldn't bring myself to agree to most of her point of views it was refreshing to hear someone from center right that is sane i just wished when she said Gowalkar's writings didn't lif- reflect the last 13 years of his life you guys would have pointed out how much does a person change at that age. That's true. Last 13 years, how much? But th- sometimes you can change also. I don't know. They could Sometimes reflections hit you very late. No, I no, no. There's no question of age not being able to change. Hmm. I have changed constantly. Actual constantly. She says that it's really difficult to change after 60. Do you not agree? at all. You're dead if you're not changing. Not at all. I'm 73 and last year my daughter challenged me to change on a couple of issues. And I did. 
Okay. No, but in 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 Goldwater's <laughs> so, case, that is not the question whether he changed or not. The question yeah. is whether his body of work, which remains behind his ideology, yeah, what true. is the kind of ideology that his yeah. followers follow right now? The, oh, I guess, I guess four of you yeah. can't really change your ideological <laughs> beliefs. Don't, don't really change after sixty or what I'd say even after, after sixty. Eight. Mean who's decided no, no, this age 60, number? I'd say after twenty-one. You can actually. change anything at any time. Mm. There have been his, people who are really old who've been atheists all their lives and. At sixty, past sixty, seventy, suddenly they they become God believers. Okay? That's understandable. Though. All right, <laughs> or they are God believers, and suddenly at seventy they lose somebody really close to them in a violent crash or something, and they say, "Well, I don't believe in God anymore." And they je- so there's no there are no rules in this thing of you can't change. I don't know who makes up these cliches. People change all the time. All the time. Constantly on major issues, on their ideology, oh, well, their beliefs, in their behavior, in their habits, people change all the time. People at the age of seventy suddenly stop smoking and drinking. You and say they behavioral. can't change, huh? That's behavioral. But I don't know if no, that's a, it's the hardest thing to to change is 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 your an addiction, mm. and they change that, okay. and core beliefs change. Okay, okay, a guy who's been a misogynist all his life suddenly his eyes are opened when he has daughters or granddaughters who then educate him, and he's completely changed. He'll have stopped his daughter from even studying in school and gotten her married off at the age of fourteen or fifteen, and then suddenly he's taught that, or he's learnt from his surroundings that it's good to educate girls. And as a grandfather, he makes sure his his granddaughters are being educated. This is bullshit that people can't change. Everything can change. Change is constant. You can't put your foot in the same river twice. Wow. It will change. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Anyway, so going back to Jaisal, she says I also wish. She would have come on the podcast this week, as I really want to hear center right's perspective on the slogan "Desh ke gaddaro ko." Who? <laughs> Advaita. She was with us on the okay. last podcast. So yeah, I don't think face to face, person to person, anyone will defend that slogan. I really struggle to understand how can someone support such an outfit after mainstream occurrence of that slogan. But again, they have pragya, and everyone is chill with it. Just hoping the breaking point of the average Indian to tolerate this behavior and ideology comes sooner rather than later. I also want to point out that the recent content on News Laundry was amazing, particularly JNU reportage and nuisance from Shaheen Bagh in particular. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing all the work you're doing, and I hope you give all those involved in the aforementioned projects a raise when possible. I am involved in <laughs> Run Project. I definitely hope I get a raise. <laughs> I will. I will put forward your demand to Abhinandan. <laughs> Good one. Okay, another one is uh, dear Abhinandan, Manisha, Madhu, and the rest of the team. It's been a while since I've written to you. I'm a regular subscriber of News Laundry till about six months ago, but left it for some reason, and now I'm joined back. Great to have you back. Interestingly, one of the main reasons for my initial subscription was Abhinandan's fabulous interview with that Joker Vivek Agnihotri, as I wanted to see him being ripped apart by my man. <laughs> This time too, my interest was piqued due to General G.D. Bakshi's interview and I wanted to see the whole thing though I've realized how badly I miss the Haftas. It's like how we discuss issues with our friends during our weekly Darupe Charcha. So I'm going to list out some issues for you guys, mostly good and some little critical. Uh, she's written a bunch of things. It's a really long letter so I can't read all of it. Uh, the bit about General Bakshi, I'm going to definitely forward it to Abhinandan because I think he conducted that interview and he'd be interested in reading all your feedback. She says, uh, coming to the latest Hafta, I haven't heard of Advaita Kala and behind all that veneer of sophistication lies a hardcore right-wing fanatic. My God. You guys are so rude to our guests. <laughs> I mean, her views about Op India, CAA, camps and Assam were so lazily venomous that I'm surprised she was called on this panel. Also, I complete agree, completely agree with both AN and Manisha that not all views deserve to be aired just to be seen as objective or fair. And 
and uh, that's it for now folks and as a tangent i think we as a country took the wrong army as a role model i just finished watching the forgotten army and i feel it's a much watch for a force which is still surprisingly stiff about women in combat the series will be an eye opener where we have women in combat since 1942 it's my humble request that you do well documented show on the ina I haven't. Uh, I, I don't know much about the INA actually. I think, uh, sorry, there's this one point about uh, the chief of defense stuff. We discussed mm. it last week. Mm. So one of the guys said that it began with the Kargil review committee. I mean, it was really embarrassing to listen to that. You also need to have some forgies veterans in your panel. That's not actually. That's a fact that the this proposal in India was first mooted by the Kargil review committee to, to have, have a chief detention. of defense staff. Oh, to, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. To have a chief of defense. So that's not a like a wrong thing. Okay, so you are correcting yeah, that. Okay, fine. That I'm not very sure about. I mean, I I don't know really much about that. So, Maharaj, I'm counting on you for that. I think I'll just read one quickly, one last email quickly, another one. Dear Abhinandan, please avoid overselling the new website CMS with superlatives like flawless and frictionless. <laughs> You're telling me? Did he say frictionless? <laughs> I've been complaining <laughs> and complaining and complaining. Well, yeah. There you are. No software is perfect. There will be flaws. There will be friction. You are setting the expectations too high and will attract more criticism from small issues going ahead. Just mention that you're working on improving user experience and let the criticism slowly fade away. That's true. One should never oversell. Even I, that's I'm always like, "Ha, we're trying." That's we're really charming advice. Yeah, so it's kind of nice of her to just say, "Ki zada apna udho mat, yeah. stay in your rokad." <laughs> <laughs> I don't subscribe to NL for creating or using the best content management system, but rather for the content you put on it. Good luck and keep up the good work. Yeah, that's true. The content we put on it, with that there should be no yeah, compromise. Yeah, but it should be accessible. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and cool. So finally, getting it. a right-wing voice on Hafta. Robust, right? Robust, great. I'm going to quickly read another one, making up for all the lost time. An anonymous person doesn't want to be named, and the the subject is monkey balancing at news laundry. General happy subscriber here writing for the first time to express concern about what seems like a shift towards monkey balancing at NL. I know you all have been attacked by people asking for the right for right wing views which really means pro cultural agenda or at least actions of the BJP since all major parties in India are welfare oriented as recently noted by Nobel laureate Abhijit Banerjee himself. However, I want to caution you against letting anyone off easy just because you want to play nice. With Advaita Kala for instance, you let her go without any probing on the economy question or the plebiscite and history of how Kashmir came to be part of so-called integral India when the abrogation of 370 came up. Further, as a gay desi woman who finds your work mostly sensible and rid of overt stupidity <laughs> or bias and also usually free of triggers for me to hear, while existing as a queer in a queer unfriendly space hearing advaita make fun of people with different pronouns by asking abhinandan to adopt they them pronouns was mind numbingly angering would she say the same had you been in hot water with the dalit community issue i wish you had addressed it in the ex- episode itself another word regarding abhinandan's interview with bagga while i do appreciate the harder questions you asked him you failed to pin him on anything because you didn't want to go too far what indeed is the point of giving people like him as the platform if you're not going to follow up on your critique there's enough hate flowing from everywhere and while obviously i could read your sarcasm through the interview he and his followers are probably too dense to get it <laughs> <laughs> I like this uh, person. One thing I like, like to point out is so that's good because then you please everybody. <laughs> One thing I'd like to point out is this interview is from uh, 2012. Yeah. yeah. So we republished it recently uh, because of yeah, yeah. all that was going on. And also on. this guy was a nobody back then. Yeah. And the format of the interview I agree was actually to be pleasant. 
like the format is to pleasantly keep saying i agree i agree while exposing the other person so it's not the format itself is not an aggressive format sorry this is so long and full of criticism i as a consumer just wouldn't want to lose yet another great group of reporters to crowd pleasing game i can assure you that there's no crowd pleasing at least when it comes to our reporting we only and raman sir can assure you on that further our reporting is not to please any ideology or any side it's purely fact opinions we don't want to accommodate all opinions uh, sane ones we're not ever going to carry opinions that will argue for fairness creams or whatever and um i think just on the hafta bit i think we got some criticism on twitter also adweta had said something about i think someone's tweet i didn't really follow that controversy well so we may have missed that i think shefali vedya's tweet or something she had i really don't know the details of it but i think the one thing that is true that even if you get someone you don't agree with beyond a point it's a bit tough to get rude with your guests though I, i'm sure abhinandan's happy to like get rude with anyone <laughs> but it's kind of tough to i mean we still have to kind of make it pleasant i, mean, I guess we can't i don't know actually you should ask abhinandan this we should ask him yeah, next I time cross that line uh, bordering on rudeness quite often so and then i feel bad about it afterwards you know so the, uh, abhinandan is doing an interview with deepak chaurasia this is all of you and deepak chaurasia was here yesterday and uh, we were doing an episode of nuisance also on you know chaurasia and sudhir chaudhary's little outing at shahin bag and when he came he was just so nice and you know he look, he seems like this harmless fellow is like hi hello and and i was like okay i don't want to know him further because i don't want to you know i don't want it to stop me from being able to critique him or make fun of him so i think the best is to not meet people then if you don't meet them you can just keep making fun of them and be brutal but when you meet them and you get to know them and you kind of sit with them then it's tough to you know be brutal i think that's what happens with interviews also if he meets a gd bakshi these guys aren't really like what you see them on uh, on television like when you meet them you know they're like nice gentlemanly people so there's only so much you can do i guess it's a it's a thing that i've been thinking about also for a while anyway uh, i think we can just quickly discuss the jamia shootout and then we can uh, give our recommendations uh, there was a boy uh, yesterday who was present at the protest site in jamia and he was with a desi katta basically and was charging towards the crowd of protesters and there were 300 policemen behind him stationed and there's an iconic photo of reuters the uh, he's a pulitzer winning photographer actually danish, danish yeah siddiqui danish siddiqui uh, where this guy is pointing the gun and police guys are just so casually standing there with their latthan with their paunch and with their like you know it's i think uh, yeah i, I it's not they, they didn't see the gun because his back was towards them <laughs> No, that's a Times of India picture. वो सामने ही सामने ही थे. They were not all standing right behind each other. There was a wide expanse, you know, horizontally. And he said, "Delhi Police की जिंदाबाद." हाँ. No, if you the see the video, there were people shouting, and he was like going all ah. over. It's not like he yeah, was yeah, just. Yeah, yeah, he was saying yellow आज़ादी. And I think in that picture, it's not very clear, but I think one, I think he's an officer, and he's standing there with his arms folded. Yeah, 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 like yeah. Like he's watching a tamasha yeah. or something. And I think, I mean, we shouldn't laugh at it actually. And Sorry, I laughed. Walked. into the police net is yeah. it even and the police also just because i think he he like kind of knew that he uh, had to uh, give up and you know one thing that really bugs me is that you know what is going to happen to him i think nothing he'll spend a few days in jail god on bail and short. the case will just go on and on and on and nothing will happen bjp ka ticket mil jayega ya front row rally mein he's 17 years 10 months yeah so the first fight is whether he should be Tried as tried a juvenile as or not? A juvenile or not? No, if he's a juvenile, he should I be tried as a juvenile. No, 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 no
So you can it, actually... No, if a juvenile commits a heinous crimes. crime, serious crime, so he can be... maybe. No, I'm saying if the law says he's a juvenile and juvenile has to be tried as a juvenile, he should be tried as a juvenile. There's no two ways about uh, it, whatever he did. Yeah, but for heinous crimes, it's down uh, to 16 now. Well, that's a, so I mean, they'll they'll have if, to, if yeah. the law allows that, yes. Yeah, they'll if have the to law, determine yeah, whether it's heinous or not. But I think what is very scary is that for transgressions lesser than this in UP, boys have been shot dead. You know, and I'm very certain if this was a Muslim boy in a Muslim neighborhood at a anti-CA rally, forget having a gun, but even charging, he would have been shot dead. And with a gun, definitely shot dead. And then there would be debates saying, good, you know, good, you taught him a lesson. And that these protesters can't, you know, take the law in their hands. And it's scary that we've come to a position now where something like this happens. And our first reaction is actually we, we kind of laugh about it and think, ho kya hai? We are still, uh, we are working on this story. Our reporters have gone to Jeva, from the place where he comes from. So they have spoken to the principal, they have spoken to the family. And uh, apparently, I mean, uh, the family is pretty shocked. Mm. They are uh, Brahmin pundits mm. of that area. Mm. So the people all over, you know, in the village, they are saying, Panditji, aapka to ghar taba ho gaya. Oh. Aapta ghar taba hmm. ho gaya. So it's, it's, uh, they are pretty shocked. Hmm. The parents are going to come here tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, there are also, uh, I saw some videos, I don't know how credible they are, of people like going out protesting in Jaivar in, hmm. in his favor, shouting slogans for him. Hmm. So I don't know. I, I mean, for a, for the longest time in this country, when people talk about radicalization, they usually mean Muslims. So Muslims mm-hmm. are radicalized. This is the Hindu and this radicalization. Is, yeah, this has been apparent for a long time, and it has just flown under the radar. Nobody's talking about the this kind of radicalization. Ah. Did you? Because if you see his like that Facebook profile, the kind of comments mm-hmm. that are there go on Twitter and even otherwise at the rallies and mm-hmm. everywhere. We covered those uh, pro CA rallies in Delhi. When when they, those happened, the kind of stuff those people are saying at the Modi rally, we have those videos. The kind of stuff they are saying, I mean, the radicalization no, is so so. I've so been so seeing so dangerous. many such uh, you know comments being made by Hindus on Twitter or other social media platform. Only thing is, uh, you get noticed when you take out the pistol. So in this mm. case, so so what I think the Hindu radicalization, I think this is a reality now. This Vivek, is something which we knew. Did you follow this, Vivek? Uh, what happened in Delhi yep. yesterday? And apparently, I believe some people it's had landed up outside Republic's office to protest their... Uh, I don't know if you followed that. There was such heavy uh, police that nobody was even allowed to come near it. It <laughs> barricaded the whole place. Cars were not allowed near the gate. So he was fully, fully protected. Yeah. You think they'll give him Z security? <laughs> God knows. Doesn't he already have some kind of... Scary. I don't think so. Yeah, you were saying. Sudhir Chaudhary has, I think. You were saying, uh, Vivek. Yeah. No, no, this basically, uh, I mean, I tweeted this out in the morning. It it reminded me of what uh, Jeffrey Boycott used to say of uh, Shahid Afridi, that if he's 17, I'm 21. So, <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, both... <laughs> so, and and more than that, uh, you know, I, I the entire, uh, you know, if you look at how soon people sort of uh, sprung up to defend him or the fact that ANI already had his mark sheet. Yeah, that I mean, was bizarre. It's quite, it just, uh, I mean, it sounds quite scary. So. Yeah. Uh, do you want to add anything to this, Madhu? Uh, no. Do you want to give your recommendation to us? We can wrap up then. Yes. I would recommend the movie Bombshell as well as the series on um, Amazon Prime Video uh, called uh, The Morning Show. Uh, Very important. I really like Morning Show. I saw it. It was fun. 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Vivek, would you like to give us your recommendations? Yes. Uh, so I would like to recommend two books. One's called In Service of the Republic by Vijay Kelkar and Ajay Shah. Okay. Uh, it's essentially a book which looks at the micro things about the Indian macroeconomy. And the other thing, uh, other book I would like to recommend uh, is a book called Say Nothing hmm. uh, by Patrick Badenha. And uh, this is essentially a true crime book set in uh, Ireland where a woman gets, uh, it disappears and, you know, sort of many years later, the author has sort of gone there and, uh, you know, recreated the entire period around her disappearance. What's the it's title? fantastically written. What's the title? And, uh, it's called Say Nothing. Say Nothing. Okay, I have a book which I'm reading right now, which is great fun. A Very Stable Genius about oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> about uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, Must read. <laughs> and also, anything? Uh, huh. one more. I wanted to recommend uh, yeah. something I saw on Netflix after a long time. Hmm. Uh, it's called Unbelievable and it's it's essentially a police procedural and, you know, out and out, out, and out police procedural. Beautiful story. Which is uh, very rare these days and I, I quite loved it. It's so. a lovely, yeah, lovely. I was really, I, I watched it in a day. Mm. I think two days. I just been watched it and it was really, really very, very nice. Raman sir. Our coverage uh, mm. on Delhi elections and second, uh, I would recommend one book by T.M. Krishna, which has become controversial today. This book is Sebastian and uh, Sons, A Brief History of Mridhagam Makers. Hmm. This is, uh, I think, uh, something which I'm also going to buy. I haven't read it, but I read about this controversy today. So, and I am really a huge fan of T.M. Krishna. So, this is about the Dalit Christian makers hmm. and his book was to be launched today somewhere which has, and uh, it was cancelled, uh, you know, the program was cancelled in Chennai. Hmm. This is about the Dalit Krishna Christians who used to make Mridhigam. Oh, wow. yeah. Mehraj, what would you like to uh, I'd recommend this, uh, one of our own pieces. I find it very funny. It's a simple report, but it's very funny about how the Delhi Congress is fighting their election on Sheila Dixit's work. They don't have any other strategy. They don't have anything. They're just selling, we did this and this and when Sheila Dixit was chief minister. So pathetic. Yeah. So and the, pathetic. I mean, the saddest part is that she is not even around anymore. Yeah. And the and another problem is, it's, I mean, even this is done in such an ad hoc manner, which has become typical of Congress, that when our reporter Veena went to the office, there's no, not a picture of Sheila Dixit anywhere, but they're just selling her work and all that. Everything. I think they recently cancelled a Padyatra because it was uh, raining and, and there was a lot of slush on the road. I thought um, that was just typical. That, that, that's so typical Congress, Congress, yeah. And I, also another, yeah. I'll uh, like to recommend this book. It's about the Rwandan genocide by Philip Gorevich. It's a lo longish title. It says, we wish to inform you that tomorrow we will be killed with all our families. It's a harrowing read of the oh, Rwandan wow. genocide and mm. also dwells on how journalists, so-called journalists there, helped mm. perpetuate that massacre, that ethnic cleansing, the genocide. Okay. I'm going to recommend Abhinandan's long essay on uh, the whole Kunal Kamra Arnab Goswami episode. I think he unpacks a lot of the stuff that we've been thinking about. And with that, thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. Thank you, Vivek, so much for thanks, taking out thanks, the time. Thanks. And are you excited about seeing the budget on TV tomorrow? 
podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.